Lord, I love you and I thank you. Uh, the, the people here today, you knew I needed to see them and it means so much. And so asking for a lot of grace, a lot of encouragement right now for all of us. Um, please, Father, bless in your name. Amen. Okay, just, just a, a slide here to kind of get us thinking about critical thinking. All right, these are some scriptures that get at it just a bit. This idea that we really should use our, our minds. Um, the sons of Ishkar were unusual people, and they had the ability to understand the times. In other words, it's like they're saying they got culture. They understood culture. Proverbs says the naive believe everything. The naive believe everything. But the sensible person considers his or her steps. You get the idea. Pop down to Matthew 22. When it comes to a relationship with God, he says you can love God with your mind. Uh, that might seem a little foreign. That You know, we love God with our, our, maybe our time. We love God emotionally and all that. But Jesus says, hey, I want you to love him with your mind. And I think that's exciting. So for me, if, if you're a Christian, um, I think you should really be your best mentally. And intellectually, you should master, you know, this kind of stuff. So you get the idea. All right. Now, I want to I teach you a, a principle. Okay. And then we're going to jump straight into the text. Um, if you're a mom or dad, okay, and you've had children, you've got grandchildren, how you treat that child, okay, what you say to the child, how you treat the child determines the worth the perceived worth, okay? Uh, really, really simply put, if, if you're a mom or dad and you say to your child, um, we weren't planning on you. <laughs> you're a bother. You have impeded our life. You've slowed us down. Boy, you're an annoying little brat. That if you say those things to the child, that child will receive it, soak it up. And think, that's who I am. I'm an annoying little brat. And that, that goes so deep that it becomes imprinted on the brain. Um, some of you have tattoos. And they're really cool. I'm afraid of needles. I don't have a tattoo. I thought about getting a giant fishing schooner because I'm from Massachusetts. And it would be the Gloucester, you know, the, they fish for cod. And Arkansas always say codfish. In New England, you just say cod. You have to say fish. Southern people. And a big, big Gloucester fishing. And then when I, when I did my pecs, huh? The sales, Matt gets it. Matt gets me. So I'm afraid we get tattoos. Guess what? How a child is treated when they're young, especially, tends to tattoo on the brain. To the tune that it's never going away. Another child has the hard work of trying to determine what view of self it's going to be able to live with as they approach the adult years. So how you treat the child, what you say to the child, what you don't say to the child, uh, and the culture that the child lives in determines worth. Um, there's not a married person in this room that would disagree with me and how that applies to marriage. <laughs> how your spouse treats you can have a huge impact on your sense of self and worth. 
how your wife treats you. You know, it, it just, it's people. This is real stuff, okay? So let's think, think critically about the fact that how we treat someone has a tremendous impact on their sense of worth. I want everybody to ignore the screens and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I want us to dig in here. This is really, really good stuff. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to actually start at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So just a little comment here. Paul believes that he was in the will of God. Hi, I'm Paul. And I'm in the will of God. I'm an apostle. And the term means I'm on mission, I'm sent. What an amazing thing to know that you're in the will of God. And if we say we are Christians and we're not sure about being in the will of God, that's a tough place to be. It's really good to know who you are and settle up on following Jesus. And he's writing to the saints, the holy people who are in Ephesus. By the way, they weren't so holy, but he calls them that. How's that for faith? And then he says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, I, I need grace and I need peace. I had a day yesterday. Man, Randa, Chris, it was, it was a day where I felt like I lacked peace. And I really needed that. And so it was a challenging day for me yesterday. Paul wants these people in Ephesus to know peace. The peace that comes from God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, get ready. Verse 3. Look, look how Paul describes these people. By the way, they're messed up people like me and like you. They're absolutely normal people just like me, just like you. He said... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know, that sounds so up there in the heavens. But look what happens. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Okay. You know, the little boy, the little girl that hears mom say, you're an accident. We're planning on you. Your nickname is Oops. Okay? Boy, you're a bother. Man, you make my life so hard. That kind of, that kind of stuff. And how that tattoos in on the brain, how that imprints. Notice this. Verse 4. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Try to get your mind around that one, Lee. <laughs> God had Lee on the brain before the heavens and the earth were made. How's that for some foresight? God had Lee and Edie on his mind, on his heart, before he made the heavens and the earth. And it wasn't like, oops, there's going to be Lee somewhere down the line. Oops. He chose Lee. He wanted you. Okay. 
that can that click? He wants you. You're not an accident to God. He predestined. Uh, I know that's a scary theological word, predestination. Did, what does the word destiny mean? Like, what's your destiny, Luke? And all that stuff. You know, what's destiny? I'm sorry, that was awful Star Wars. <laughs> what's that? I said, yes, it was. <laughs> it's your set path. Path. Uh, like, our destiny is to go to. to you know, pretty to obey beach and just hang out and, and you know, hang out. What's that? Yeah, when you add pre in front of destiny, destiny means we have a, we have a, a target location and endpoint. And pre means we know what it is in advance. There's a predetermined destiny. Yeah, so he, he predestined us. In other words, God loves me and has a plan for my life. God loves you and has a plan for your life. So he has this predetermined destiny. But Leah gets back to the chosen thing. He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself. You know, there, you, 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 you may be in a situation like I was in where, because I went through legal adoption, I know what adoption feels like. Um... When you're not wanted, and what that feels like to be not wanted by a parent, I mean, that's my story. And then all of a sudden, somebody wants you, and how powerful that is. So this place we're going that was predetermined, Gabe, the place is adoption. It's not Perdido Beach. It's not California or wherever it is. It's a relationship. So he wants us to go to the relationship as sons and daughters. And it happens through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's according to the good pleasure of his will. Um, so one thing I say to my grandchildren all the time is I'll get, I'll get them up close and I you know, try to grab BB which is kind of like trying to grab the wind, but I try to grab you. And, you know, I'm, I'm, Evelyn, I can catch Evelyn. We're good, but not Phoebe and Zezé. And I try to grab them up, and I hug them, and I kiss them, and I look them eye to eye, and I say, do you know how happy you make me? That's all I say. You make me happy. I don't know how many times they hear it from me. Um, I'm not... I'm, you know, counting what Stephen or Becca or Lisa are going to do, but I, I say that all the time, and I get his Isaiah's mighty cheeks, and I go, "You make me happy," and and that's you can see the light in their eyes. It's a beautiful thing. Can you can you get this? Verse five. We're going someplace. Where's the place? It's adoption as sons and daughters. How do we get there? Through Jesus, and it makes God happy. <laughs> It's the good pleasure of his will. Wow. When we let Jesus make sons and daughters out of us and take us to the Father, it makes God happy. It's beautiful. It's like God saying, the kids are coming. The kids are home. This is so cool. And all of this, 
verse 6, is to the praise of the glory of his grace with which he favored us in the beloved. Wow. Grace. It's free. You don't earn it. You're wanted. (laughs) You're chosen. You're wanted by his grace with which he favored us in the beloved. And then he says, in him, that is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace. Um, If you could look at verse 7 and kind of soak it up, does it sound like God is really stingy? God is stingy, hard-nosed. God gets his kicks really making it hard on you. Do you get that feel out of verse 7? And not at all. You get this idea that in him we have redemption through his blood in this abundant way, forgiveness from our wrongdoings in this rich provision of his grace, which he lavished on us. This is, this is not a little bit of love. It's not a begrudging kind of love. This is amazing grace. It's amazing love. And he's pouring it out. The Greek verbs here are pretty powerful. It's big, people. Trust me. There's a lot of love that's being shared by the Father. Um, forgiveness and wrongdoings. Um, remember the whole critical thinking thing? All right. Let's push that idea for just a minute. Um, If you're like me, you have regrets. Deep in your heart, regrets, right? Regrets may be because somebody sinned horribly and that sin damaged you deeply. Okay? Or you were the one that was doing the sinful things and you damaged yourself, you damaged somebody else. Flat out guilt, all right? Wrongdoing, sin. Think critically, the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can experience full forgiveness and we don't have to walk around, buckle up, as guilty, miserable people with a black cloud of shame hanging over us because after all, if something bad happens, we probably deserve it anyway. We don't have to live that way anymore. We can walk out the forgiveness and the grace of God. That's a rich thing. It's a big thing. Not a little thing. It's a big thing. He lavished out on us. In God's brilliance, in all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he set forth in him. Pop quiz, what's the mystery of his will? Anybody? What's the big mystery with God? What do you think Paul's getting at? That in the fullness of time, God's going to do something, pull things together in Christ so that heaven and earth uh, heaven and earth can kind of link up. What's the big mystery? What is it? What do you think it is, Chris? What is it? Uh, What's that? Uh, Absolutely. And what happens through it? What? Redemption. Yes, we get to become sons and daughters. That's the big mystery. 
that is, to us, it's like, hey, that's old news. We've heard that one, right? But to the people in Ephesus, that's new news, not old. It's new. That you can become a son or a, a daughter of God through Jesus. Wow. Look at verse 11. And in him, we also have obtained an inheritance. Wow. An inheritance. Man, do you know what's coming? For those of us born again, you know what's coming? The inheritance. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined. Sons and daughters. According to the purpose of, purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will. Well, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ, those first generation Christians, it would be to the praise of his glory. Wow, that is amazing. All right, here's what I want to do. I want to I turn this over to you guys. Let me, let me remind you of something. There we go. I want to remind you that when we speak here, uh, we're not at the local frat house just chatting it up. Okay. We're not at some rat restaurant shooting our mouths off. That's not what this is about. I want you to speak as though God is speaking through you. I want you to know the wisdom of anchoring what you say with Scripture. And I want you to speak with grace and wisdom because here's what you don't know. There could be someone here today that really needs to hear grace. That really needs to be encouraged in their faith. Okay. And the Holy Spirit wants to use you to do it. So, by the way, if you have a question, please ask. But this is one of the most amazing moments in the service. When I'm quiet and you speak up. So here's my question for you. You're the church. You're the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. How do we live it out? How does, why does this matter for us who follow Jesus? And what impact does it have on self-esteem? That is brilliant. Um, I, I know your story, but a lot of folks don't. Was there a primary relationship, parent, caregiver, that there was a lot of damage in that relationship when you were young? My dad and by default, my mom. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, worst dynamic is to have one parent that abuses and the other that doesn't protect. That's like crazy bad on the kids, right? So that's you. That's your story. That's my story, right? And so that's kind of tattooed on the brain, huh? And then you take it to God, and what did you just say? Can you trust him? Yeah, it's real, isn't it, Edie? 
Yeah. And then when you finally, what, what clicked that you could, you could actually accept the love of, of God? Yes, Lee, Edie, thank you. Um, there's something powerful about believing you're wanted. Man, if we can get over that hump, <laughs> if we can get past that one thing, keep going. Why does this matter? How do we live it out? What do you think? Uh, complicated answer, yes and no. Um, it, it's the same in that you know you're using your brain, right? The brain that God gave you. But typically, when you think about spiritual discernment, that there's a moral issue at hand. Um, whereas critical thinking can be something as you know one plus one is two, and that's not really a moral matter. Uh, but you're, you're learning to reason things out logically. Can I give you for example? This is interesting. Okay. Ephesians. When was it written? Chris, Yolanda, you're on the hot spot. When was it written? First century. Do you know? Maybe 60 years after Christ. Yep. So it's, it's pretty early. All right. Addressing first generation. And by that day, it has to be second and even third generation Christian. Is it logical for me to say that only applied to them and not me? Why not? It didn't say, my name's not in the letter. So it doesn't apply to me? Well, I think when the Holy Spirit is in us, we all have kind of the same. What's that, dear? That is so good. So Margaret, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are literally entering into the experience of the first generation follower of Jesus. So it does apply to me. Now that exchange, Kathy, is both critical thinking and spiritual discernment. Yeah, it really does. Anybody else? Ephesians 1. I had to get over this hump. I think a little bit on that too is that having this opportunity to dive into history of study of history of things. And we talked about so many of those things here. 
And you know, times change, technology changes, social mores change, cultural mores might change, but it's amazing how often sin issues are pretty much the same yeah. over the centuries. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, you might be acting out of line with what happens in that society, and that's one issue, but out of line with what's true to God's truth, that doesn't actually change. And acting in line with it, same yeah. thing. I yeah. mean, graciousness and kindness are... Yeah, yeah, that is so good. Universal and eternal. Absolutely, good character. So, yeah, Gabe. Um, as far as living out, like chapter seven speaks to me. Trouble. Um, so the forgiveness of our trespasses. Yeah. You know, learning that uh, self-compassion instead of wallowing. <laughs> self-compassion. That's so good, Gabe. That is so good. Yeah. Um. Can we have a brief counseling session just for a second here? Just a little. Sometimes we want to be our own savior. And we want to pay for our own sins. And we want to get our hands on it and fix it ourselves. And the fact is we can't. And so Gabe's right. We have to have self-compassion. We have to own the fact that we can't fix the mess that we have made. We can't. But Jesus can. And so have compassion. And here's there's a tendency, the child, the little girl or little boy that was not wanted when they were young, that forms in them something that's powerful. They believe it's it's good and right to, to do the right thing for others. They naturally want to show compassion for others, but have the hardest time showing compassion for themselves. Does that make sense? When you're that little boy that was not wanted you somehow get this idea that you're obligated to take care of other people, have compassion on them. But when it comes to taking care of yourself, no way, man. You don't deserve it. And that's something deep, easy. That's deep. That's deep in the brain. The absence of a parent or a loved Yeah, yeah. Yeah, someone else. Ephesians 1. This amazing grace that God gives us. Anybody? Anybody? You guys have been so kind. Yeah, yes? Yes. And that's kind of echoed in that where, you know, you see things one way until somebody comes along and examines it, and then you're like, oh, well, I didn't even know that was another way to see this. this yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. yeah. Um, and so that kind of reminds me of um, some of, like, there's a, a psychologist named uh, John Berbeke who talks about kind of bringing back this. Greco-Roman idea of the logos, 
it was embodied in a lot of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that there's this idea that, and, and to me, it really echoes like what we do in the body of Christ in, in community, which is we're, we're both looking at, you know, his grace, but we're, we're dialoguing and coming at it from different angles. And in the midst of that, the spirit inhabits yeah. and, and creates something that's less like addition and more like multiplication, you know. The, the end result is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. And so, what I so my question is, I've been in thinking about that this relationship between the logos in terms of uh, dialogue and the logos as it's described, you know, in in the scripture as the word. was God, okay, I don't understand the, the connect, I don't understand how Paul connected those two, but I feel like in the way that he's describing the word as being, you know, something that's right here in front of us in the person of Jesus. The word became flesh. Yeah. But something that was also predestined before time began. Yeah. I feel like there's a connection um, That is a great, great, great question. And very, very complex. So let me do a quick tie-off on that. So Paul actually, when Paul went to Tarsus as a young man, Nathan, it's like he got his PhD in Greek philosophy. A lot of people don't know that. They think Paul just did studies as a rabbi. But he also went to a city and got a kind of Greco-Roman education. I'm telling you, Paul was one smart dude, okay? Now we know that because in Acts 17, he, he engages philosophers and handles it so well that he starts to persuade them, <laughs> okay? Can you imagine? What do you think, Ben? Um, Saul was, Saul was to Paul. Yes, you remember that? That is very good. Yes. Do you know what the word Paul means? It means short guy. <laughs> it really does. It means shorty. I'm not kidding. It means a nickname. It's a nickname. It means shorty. Why are you guys looking at me that way? What, what is the deal, man? So, Nathan, Paul really did have an education regarding Greek culture and Roman culture. And what's amazing is that he uses it to really push the work forward, the presenting of the gospel. And John does very much Greek ideas. Let me tie it off. Where Paul breaks with Roman culture is that for, for the Greek world, logos is a big thing. It's wisdom, it's intelligence, it's this big cloudy thing out there. And Paul acknowledges that concept, like biology, the study of biology, right? Bios. But Paul makes a break and he narrows it down and says what really matters is the logos in one single person and that is Jesus Christ. And that's where Paul breaks with culture. So, um, Michelle, I think you were going to... Yeah. Um, when I think of critical thinking, 
unfortunately, we don't always have it inside. Sometimes the Spirit gives it to us. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of times, we just have to sit and listen and find that information. And I'm seeing it a lot, especially within Christian circles, with people who believe things because they come from certain sources that they like and trust. Right. Yeah, that's so good. In fact, Proverbs eighteen seventeen, Michelle, the first person to plead their case, seems like they're right, till the second person comes and examines them. Right. So to to bar, push the metaphor, I'm about to use two very dangerous words. Can y'all handle it? The Democrat thinks he's right, until the Republican comes and examines him, and then the Republican thinks he's right. Until the Democrat comes and examines him. You know, yeah. Reason. Reason. Think critically. I like that. That's good. All right. Let's push this idea. Push the idea. You are wanted. You are loved. You are chosen in him for the foundation of the world. All right. If you think critically about that truth, if you think very critically about it, you don't have to live in a depressive funk. You don't have to live uh, in uh... let me say it plainly. You don't have to live inside the wrong of your mom and dad anymore. You don't have to live inside the wrong of your abusers anymore. You can live inside the good and the right of the right people, of Jesus Christ and his followers. And, and Nathan, you've, you've got to really, this is good. We need to talk. That's why this is so important. Because we're talking and, and, there's, and sometimes it creates stress, which is good. But sometimes it really validates, ah, yes, I agree with that. Or no, I don't know if I agree with that or not. And that's the part of growing up. Iron sharpens iron. We like that verse, right? Doesn't it sound cool? That sounds manly. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah, you ever seen iron against a wheel? What happens, Alan? Wow, the sparks are flying. Metal is coming off that blade. Things are being subtracted, not added, subtracted. And that means there's friction. Iron does sharpen iron. And somebody's got to give when that happens. All right. All right, you guys get the idea. Okay, you are loved in Jesus Christ. You have a destiny, predetermined destiny, and that is to adoption as sons and daughters.
I went from being Christopher Donald Barnett to Christopher Arthur Perry. I have been adopted. I had a name change. That name change, I had a change in status because of that legal event. In Christ, I have a change in status. I'm now a son of the king. And I have an inheritance that nobody can take away from me. Even the junk of the past cannot take away what is now my inheritance in the present and in the future. Okay, And it's by faith. Edie said it well. Not by works. You can't, you can't pick yourself. You can't earn it. You can't do this by grace. So Paul writes, we are saved by grace and not of works. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may have bragging rights. No one can brag about it. Thank you so much. David, you get the last word. But out of the, out of the grace and the forgiveness and our, and our acceptance of Christ come works. Yeah, that's right, David. Good, good point. Okay, I want to pray over you. Father, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for um, accepting us and making us sons and daughters. Uh, you're so kind. Uh, we've got the hard work now of living this out. We love you. We thank you. And we're going to sing love songs to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.